Hello, I'm Arnie Heiskanen of AEC Business. Today on the line is Chen Kennedy, the author of the book Success by Design. The subtitle is Revealing Profiles of California Architects. Jen, you're an accomplished writer and photographer. Would you tell us about yourself and what motivated you to write a book on architects? Well, thank you. Yeah, it's nice to be here. Nice to meet you. Um, let's see. Well, my career has largely been about business. I, I write about entrepreneurs. I write about how people grow their businesses of all different sorts. And I actually had a good friend who was an architect and she saw the types of stories I was writing for different magazines. And she said, you know, we don't have any resources like this going through school as an architect, you get a lot of design, you get, you know, some degree of professional practices, but it just barely touches on the business side. She said, we get nothing in the way of client relations, marketing, really core uh, help to set up a business. There's none of that. And, and in the 20 years since she's been out of school, she said it still continues. You know, the books that are available are so design driven. The, um, the courses that are taught for continuing education through AIA or through the other organizations at the big conferences are still about trends. They're about lead certification. They're never really that focused about how to actually start a business, grow a business, manage employees, all that type of thing. And I thought that's what I know about. <laughs> so I went towards that industry. I've, I've met in the years since it's been a couple of years now since I've been enmeshed in this. Um, I've met hundreds and hundreds of architects that, that reiterate that same sentiment that there just aren't a lot of resources and they don't really, they're not great at business. So that's what motivated me to write the book. Okay. Based on your interviews, what characterizes architecture firms as businesses? You know, interestingly enough, I think architects are certainly intelligent, very disciplined, very structured. I don't think they're great business people. <laughs> and, you know, I've asked point blank in the interviews I did for the book and since then, do you consider yourself? And these are big, successful firms or, or you know, the heads of these firms. And most of them will sort of acquiesce and say, eh, you know, I'm not that great at business or the ones that say I am good say it really is trial by fire. I've had to learn over the years and be very mindful because I think that there was this core belief that, you know, architecture is a gentleman's profession historically. It wasn't a profession you went into to make a lot of money and that there was this stigma about really being a business person and, and having it be bottom line driven. It was so much about the design and having the integrity of the design in place. And so I think there has been this culture that hasn't really promoted business. I also think that they just haven't had a lot of modeling. So one of the characteristics I've seen is that while they're, they have this passion and this preoccupation with design and this curiosity around um, how people live and the sociology of that, there isn't necessarily a business component to it. So those are some, you know, typical things I've, I've seen along the way. Yeah, and uh, I think that architects don't usually have formal business training, or do you know otherwise? You know, a few of them have taken classes here and there. Very seldom do I see anybody with an MBA. Um, mm. I know that they're starting to integrate some programs, um, Woodbury in Los Angeles, I know they do some crossover where they have their MBA students pair up with their architecture students and look at the bigger picture of running a business 
or of bidding, you know, that type of thing so that they take, because the other needs, each needs the other to really understand the full picture. But for the most part, business education is really not part of any curriculum. And it's not even something that most of the architects seek. They, they sort of just bumble through. That sounds familiar. But what would you say about architects as business leaders? Did you find any great examples? Um, you know, I saw some definite examples of that in my book. Um, I, I chose the people in the book on several criteria. One of them was they had to be the, either the head of a really established firm or they had to have started their own firm. So all of those are in leadership roles. And these are people that are arguably very successful. They've won huge commissions. They've built buildings that people respect and know about. Um, there were definitely some good business leaders in there, but most of them were in business, mm, I would say at least 30 years, 30 to 40 years by this time. Um, like Art Gensler, for example, was really good at business. Um, he's in his seventies, I think, or eighties probably. I mean, he's, you know, he's been around for a while. Um, and, and some of the other ones, I think they're good leaders. I think business is a little bit tricky. And I also think some of the leadership management elements are um, not necessarily part of their inherent skill set. Things like um, trying to understand how to manage employees, how to grow a business, um, incentivize uh, client relations, press relations. Those aren't things that come in the package of being a strong architect necessarily. All right. I've noticed that many architects don't strive for company growth. Why do you think that's the case? You know, some of them decided that they wanted a small firm after they had grown and felt the pains. So they, you know, decided to retract a little bit and, and stay at a small size. Some of them are two-person firms. Some of them are, you know, mid-size, more like 30. And some of them put no caps. I would say the ones that stay at the either six and under or the 30 and under have decided that that's where they can successfully manage and take on the type of projects they want without feeling like there's so much financial pressure to keep everyone employed. Um, that was something that was, that was mentioned a lot, especially with some of the architects who had been in business for several years and had seen the waves of recessions because when recessions hit and you have to lay a bunch of people off, you remember that. So you know, and they also mentioned that they didn't want to have take, to take projects to feed mouths, you know, to, to do bread and butter stuff. It's like they really wanted projects that they were passionate about, that they felt like their teams were going to be interested in. So keeping it to a smaller size made that possible. However, sometimes that limited them in terms of being able to bid on bigger jobs or they would have to partner with other firms. So, you know, I think it's more of a it's more of a decision of, of where you feel comfortable with your limits in terms of how many people you want to manage, how many teams, how connected, interconnected are all your employees? Are they working solely in their, you know, separate areas or are they cross purpose? Um, it's not like one's right or wrong. I think what they've just determined over, over time is what feels comfortable to them and how they lead best in that model. Mm -hmm. How do you think that architects, could improve their business management? Well, I think that overall, they really need to feel comfortable with the numbers. They need to understand what things cost. Um, 
so that not necessarily like they need to wear every hat, but they need to, and a lot of them did this early on because when they started, they were ground up and they had to do their own books and balance and, and realize what things cost. But um, overall, I think a lot of architects that are in firms don't have access to that. They don't understand the infrastructure. They don't understand the marketing unit. They don't handle any of the press inquiries. Um, they don't look at the books to understand payroll, um, insurance, all that stuff. So I think that having access to that information, be it through working for a firm first and really paying attention, asking the questions, going to seminars, getting a consultant, you know, find that information um, to understand. And that's if you want to have your own firm. Now, if you're happy to be in middle management or, or to be part of a bigger organization, then you don't necessarily need to know all that. But if you want to grow, if you want to have your own firm, that's vital. Well, that's certainly true. Uh, good references are architects' best marketing. Uh, did you encounter any other creative ways to get attention? Yeah, you know, I tried to kind of push the architects I've I've interviewed and, and say, tell me a tell me something you did. And, and several of them had pretty good stories. Um, I know Beverly Pryor, who is in San Francisco. She's now with HMC. Her firm was folded into them. She specializes in prisons and civil justice type, type buildings. And she had mentioned that she did something pretty out of the box. She was going to a sheriff's convention and decided that she would get quotes in advance from a bunch of the different people that were going to be there. And so she built this whole booth, her trade show booth had quotes floating all over it and, and who they came from. And so it was like this thing where everybody wanted to see, first of all, they wanted to see their quote. They wanted to see other people's quotes. It wasn't very expensive, but it was memorable. And people certainly came to them and were like, you know, Oh, that's so interesting. So I thought that was a pretty good one. Um, I know Barry Burkus, he's a Santa Barbara based architect and he's sort of a maverick type. He's, he's been around for quite a while he built a model to scale to show a concept once like this. He, he rented out this massive airplane hangar and built, <laughs> built a house. I think it was to scale so that they could actually see exactly what he had in mind. Um, you know, he's a little crazy, but those kind of things people remember, you know? And so, I, I mean, I think not everybody's going to do such, such big things, but certainly, um, social media is accessible, you know, Twitter and Facebook are free and they're such good tools. Um, competitions are a good way for marketing and to get noticed, uh, joining organizations like in the United States, the AIA, um, nonprofits oftentimes need help and support. And that's a way to participate, um, either be on architectural review boards or other organizations. Um, you never know people, remember you people one thing one connection leads to another and so a lot of architects are like I don't know how to get in the loop I don't know how to start getting referrals and it's like part of that is just being present and being somewhat being of service I, I think uh, by the way do you think that clients are already on social media in, in the US I think that you can't ignore social media anymore I'm surprised I actually just finished a uh 17-page uh, article for Montecito Journal, which is a magazine here in California, and it was builders. Half of it was builders, and half of it was architects. And when I went to post the story, I actually was going to name everybody in my Twitter feed, and I couldn't believe 
that uh, I think three of the 17 had Twitter pages. I was like, what are you guys doing? And why aren't you, you know, everybody should be on right now. It's so I couldn't, I couldn't give them a shout out because, you know, I think a handful of them were on Facebook. I think maybe one or two were on Twitter. And I was just like shaking my head going, are you kidding? So I think that maybe the architects aren't necessarily there, but the clients are. Um, big companies are definitely on. Residential's a little bit different. That's, you know, depending on who you're, who the type of person you're looking to work with. Um, but, but I think it's one of those things more and more that anybody is doing research. When you meet somebody, you Google them. When you, you know, want to know more about a company, I look at their Facebook page. I look at their Twitter page and just sort of see what's on their mind. So I think it's really important to have a presence there and it's an opportunity to passively market that doesn't feel forced, you know, in, in addition to like newsletters or that type of thing. Architects are creative professionals, of course, but did you see any examples of architects being creative in, in doing business? I mean, I know that like Art Gensler, who is arguably one of the most successful interior people, um, you know, he began more on the interior side, um, was an interesting interview because he's got employees everywhere. He's got offices worldwide. And he said, you know, I began by doing the jobs that no one else wanted. And that was interiors for the time. And I did a really good job. And then those same companies hired me to do their ground up buildings. So he's done like every gap store in the country, which is huge. Um, He's done, you know, major projects now. So that was an interesting sort of extension. Um, there was a couple that um, that I that I met with. Oh God, I'm forgetting their name. Um, Hodgetts and Fung. That's that was their name. Their their company name is Hodgetts and Fung, and they're a husband and wife team. Um, they initially began by doing. They came from different worlds. She came more from fashion. He came more from entertainment. And they be they began by doing a lot of set building, um, that type of thing. They did trade show building. And that led into, um, like, I know they just finished a big um, university amph amphitheater. So they're doing performance centers now. You know, that's that was sort of the progression that took. Uh, but part of it is, and they always say this in, in general in marketing, is, Start in the area where you have some affinity. If it's sailing, then go in that area, you know, figure out a way to build sailboats or figure out a way to build a sailing center or something. If it's, you know, music that you love, go to music shows, pay attention to the way things are built, you know, find your niche because that's where you're going to be most authentic. And that's where you can actually talk to those clients and understand the experience that users have when they're there. So, you know, I, I think that, that that was echoed by everybody because they, everybody in the book has different specialties and they, they gravitated toward them because of personal interest. Okay. What did your interviewees have to say about starting up a company? Hmm. So there was a range of startup approaches. Uh, several of them started by doing, you know, they started by themselves in their garage and they started by doing a lot of, uh, renovations. They had a friend, they had a relative, they had, uh, some, some small project, you know, closet renovations led to garage, led to home, led to, uh, you know, the next level. Um, so they didn't necessarily have or need a lot of capital. 
they began small and then grew from there. Other people were at firms, paid attention, kind of culled that information, and then started their own firm with, with a lot of intention. Um, the, the earlier example didn't necessarily have all the elements that we had talked about before in terms of understanding how to run payroll and what insurance looks like and how to invoice and, you know, all these things that are so core to a business. So I think there's different approaches. Um, partnerships sometimes were a good thing, sometimes not. I, I heard both both sides of that. Some people said, yes, you know, that my partner and I balance each other. They like doing the business development. I prefer doing employee management. You know, that's how we split it up. Other play, other people said, I tried a partnership. It imploded and I really need to be the sole voice of the company. I don't want to share that um, position. So, you know, I think it, it's an individual. There's not one right way for any of this. You have to just be mindful of where you come from, what works for you. Um, maybe try some different configurations. But I, I would say before you start your own business, try to do some information gathering, talk to a lot of people, um, find out as much as you can about what you don't know so that you save yourself a lot of heartache. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I guess that starting up an architectural company is a bit different than starting up an IT company, for example, or what, what do you think? Yeah, businesses in general, though, have some of the same elements. And, you know, I think that as the leader, you have to have vision, you have to have curiosity, you have to have a willingness to interact with people because you're going to have employee issues, you're going to have client meetings. Um, ideally, you're going to have press relationships because you want media to help you grow. I mean, media, if you can get articles written about your projects or about you, that's worth gold. I mean, it's just, it's so much more influential than advertising and it's so much less expensive, you know, so it's really worth it if you can make headway in that direction. But that comes from the, the charisma usually. And the, um, sometimes it's just a really strong designer and people gravitate, but a lot of times these really successful people that I've met consistently are very charismatic. They have this contagious, interest and uh, I don't know you just want to listen to them so you know I think if, if you're a natural leader that way or if you can partner with people and have a nice combination of strength then that's that's a really great foundation uh, your book contains a lot of quotable stuff like good design is good business now that comes from Eric Supercrop and he was he was a bit unique he was um, understated he was not so much in the touchy feely side of promotion and marketing. I mean, he's just an old school guy that says, if you do really good design, you're going to have a good business. I, I don't know that that's true for everybody. It's apparently been true for him. They're a very successful interiors firm. Um, but that's not everybody. I mean, Steven Ehrlich was another one who was one of my favorites. He's, he's a very uh, popular modernist here. And he, his quote was, I don't ignore the client. In fact, I've always embraced their needs, dreams, and desires. I think it's because I've been embracing of those values that I've been successful. He says it's absolutely about client relations. It's about being plugged in to people. So, you know, it's, it's just a different, it's a different approach. But maybe if you want, you can have those quotes and, you know, kind of list some of them because I think they're interesting. When we had the um, 
the book launch, we actually had a gallery show and these quotes were spread throughout along with portraits of everybody. And, and people were really interested in kind of reading them because, you know, they're poignant thoughts. But as you mentioned, there isn't just one truth or one way to go. Which I think is encouraging because if there was one way, <laughs> you'd be pretty, you know, I think um, what was interesting is that a lot of the people that I met for the book project came from all different circumstances. Some of them were third generation architects. Uh, so some of them didn't even go to architecture school, you know, they kind of, they're so old school that they were able to just do it. Um, some of them came from a lot of means. Some of them came from nothing. It took them eight, nine years to, to get through undergrad, you know, and it's, it's, it's trial and error and there's different um, ideas about what success even is. So it's, I think that's encouraging that there's a lot of options. By the way, did you notice that many architects are married to another architect? I saw that some were married to architects, others were married to like their office manager or um, person that handled their books. And I think that is in part because it's so consuming. You know, a lot of these people that um, choose to go into architecture, men, you know, the majority of them used to be men. Now it's both. It just, it, it's such a grueling, demanding profession and it's, it's consuming. So, you know, if, if the spouse is part of that, I think it helps them <laughs> spend time together for sure. Yeah, that's true. And finally, where can we buy your book? Is it available online? Yeah, it's online, um, especially if you're in Europe. That's probably going to be easiest. It's in a lot of bookstores in the U.S., but you can buy it at my website, architectsuccess.com. And I am happy to give uh, any of your listeners a discount if they use the uh, coupon code BLOG20. They'll save 20%. So, and it's also on, uh, on Barnes & Noble and Amazon, but I prefer, of course, people buy it through me. <laughs> <laughs> Jen, thank you for this great interview and all the best to your work. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. If you want to improve your business success, visit aec-business.com or aecbusiness.co.